0: Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, N'Djamila Ali, and my guest today is W. Frank Wilson. As Executive Director of the Albany Civil Rights Institute, Frank Wilson has breathed new life into the iconic Albany landmark. Since his tenure began in 2013, Mr. Wilson has, has initiated vibrant programs that engage the community and expand the reach of the Institute. He's ensuring that young and old alike know the significance of Albany, Georgia, in the national civil rights movement. Welcome to Blood and Spirit podcast, Mr. Wilson.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. It's it's a, it's an honor to have you here. We're continuing with our season one, uh, where we're exploring family culture in Albany, Georgia, putting Albany further on the map. Because uh, this podcast is available on iTunes, on Spotify, and anywhere you can get your other. Um, podcast and so all over the world people will be able to hear about what's going on in albany georgia how our families work how we're curating our family histories and so you know just like you're putting us on the map <laughs> 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 blood and spirit is working to do the same thing
1: that's fantastic
0: you've initiated uh, a variety of new programs uh, for the institute you've invited interesting guests you brought new films in uh theater, I mean, so many different things, and you've increased the visitorship at the Institute. Where does all that drive and motivation come from? Well,
1: a part of of that motivation comes from the fact that I'm a firm believer if you're going to, if I'm gonna get up every morning and do a job, (laughs) (laughs) it takes just as much time to do it wrong as it does to do it well. Right, that's the truth, that's the truth. I mean, if if I'm gonna spend some energy then it just makes sense to me to spend that energy in being productive because at the end of the day, what I'm looking at is uh, what what is it that if I were not a part of this, what would I want to see uh, coming from my Civil Rights Institute? What would I want to experience as a part of a Civil Rights uh, Museum or Civil Rights Institute? And I think the most interesting thing is when... The Board of Directors changed the name from museum to institute. In my mind, it allowed me a lot of flexibility to do programming and innovative kind of things other than just open the doors to show a short tour.
0: Absolutely. It,
1: it allowed me to go out and connect with the greater community, uh, with the universe, as it were, to bring in the kinds of things that you mentioned earlier to make sure that our community not only Jane's exposure but that it is exposed to some new and different things
0: absolutely absolutely and that that idea it takes just as much energy to do it wrong as it does to do it right that's the key to excellence and that's something that you know a lot of us do not have and um, people actually spend time sitting on their hands not doing. When that when that same time can be used doing something in an excellent way, that's such a great key. And I appreciate that. I really, <laughs> really appreciate that. So, of all the many different management positions that you've had, which one do you think actually prepared you the best for this for this work?
1: Well, know, yeah, I think I think probably being the uh, deputy director of the of the Urban League in Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, My boss at that time, Jesse Taylor, I came out, I came into that position straight out of a classroom setting. I was a classroom teacher. I'd never been into a community service, public service kind of uh, venue before. But he, I sat back, I watched, but then he gave me wings and kind of kicked me out of the nest. Wow. Allowed me to make some mistakes, correct those mistakes without being punitive. But uh, he was truly a mentor long before that word was introduced into our society for me, and so I think a combination of that, which gave me the gave me the the experience of working with boards, in uh, working with corporate America, and in working with uh, business community, and then um, my work with uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, which put me into communities that allowed me to understand the backgrounds and some of the situations that our young folk come from and, and really to appreciate my own childhood. Mm-hmm. Because many times uh, you grow up and you think everybody has that same exposure. And if you are not put in a situation to meet some of those things face to face, you realize that uh, things that we take for granted uh, is not out there in uh, and, mass and for for everybody and so uh, big brothers and big sisters really changed my life not only uh, from a standpoint of as a professional but as a father
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: as, as, as a family person because I recognize the importance of my role as, as a father mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, being the last of my siblings it also uh, allowed me to understand my role as, uh, in many ways, the de facto head of my family. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have grown uh, nieces and nephews who have children, and that children have children, but yet they defer uh, to Uncle Frank when it comes down to some major family decisions.
0: And that is, that's so wonderful, because, uh, and that's one of the questions um, that I want to ask families. Who is the person in your family that you go to as the elder and as the counselor for all you know who who really who's you may not do every single thing that they say but you you do want to pass you know your um your decision making past that person to get their wisdom on the subject and that is a tradition um an african-based tradition and african-american based tradition that because of our mobility we don't have that as much because we have families scattered all over, you know, here, there, and yon. And, um, and the understanding, like you said, now you appreciate the family that you grew up with yeah. to a greater extent than you understood what you had at the time and understood the, the, how that compared with what some other people may not have.
1: Well, I think part of what happened with my family, uh, probably again with my dad, uh, my dad was, was all about family. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, after he passed away, um, I I kind of started a family reunion,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and I think that for a lot of my family, just the fact that I, I, I stepped out, took on took on the task of locating, and at the very first family reunion in '95, we had 197 family Ooh. members to show up.
0: Wow, and that's how many generations
1: is that? Uh about about
0: five. Five
1: generations. Um, and and it was uh, it was crazy in many ways because you know, for me the very first day of the family reunion, I met nieces and nephews. I met I met my brother's children for the first time, mm. and. Uh, that in itself was worth. It. <laughs> that was worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, just, but mm-hmm. but but because, um, as you said, family has scattered here and there, and with my family because uh, the, the the nucleus of my family began in Mitchell County, in Pelham, Georgia. Um, my dad's first wife, and um, my dad's siblings that were some marriages from the Wilsons into the Mitchells. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's first wife was a Mitchell. Uh, one of his sisters uh, married a Mitchell. Another one of the sisters married a Mitchell. So I had,
0: wow. I have
1: these first cousins on both sides of the family tree. That's why we call our family the Wilson Mitchell family reunion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, it was so interesting when I went to uh, Clearwater, Florida and I met some of these first cousins, again, brothers and sisters, children, right. for the first time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I knew we needed to have a family reunion because now I'm looking at all these folk that I never knew who look like folk that I knew. That
0: you know, look like you, <laughs> right, yeah. right. You, it's so, that is that I cannot say too much how that affects you from the inside. Looking at somebody who you know and you see Carries that same energy, that same, you know, not you know, and it's beyond the DNA as yeah. well as the culture yeah. that was built around
1: that DNA. It's phenomenal. I met I met a cousin that looked like one of my nieces. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a first cousin that really kind of looks like me. Right. Uh, and and you know, on down the line, we're like, no, we 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 to we, we gotta fix this, mm-hmm. and so. I was living in Atlanta, but I organized the first family reunion here in Albany, mainly because Albany prob- probably because it had the hotels right, and no other area right then. And, and a lot of folk didn't want to come to Atlanta, so I, we kept it in South Georgia so that we were able to go back to the old home church that Sunday
0: mm-hmm.
1: where my great-granddad's name was on the cornerstone of the church, the Bloomin' Light Church there in Mitchell County. And so...
0: Um. We'll have to talk about it, Mitchell <laughs> County, because that's where my grandparents okay. uh, came from. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, the funeral home director down there, um, I spoke with him a couple years ago about, and he gave me some, I mean, his records are Christine. Us? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. He um, and, and it turns out we met some other family members, too, uh, from New York um he may be part of our family and that's something we have to chase down you know on my on my mother's side so so yeah we'll have to see yeah. uh, how we connect down there so how does your family beyond the family reunion how do you um keep up with aggregate your family history
1: well well right now i have a cousin uh, in, in florida um in, in lakeland florida uh willa got
0: family there too. <laughs> Will,
1: willa is uh, she's doing a, an in-depth uh, genealogy uh, tracing and history. I've had some input not like I would like to, uh, because this, this keeps me pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but she's been able to uh, trace us back. One thing that I have been able to do uh, is to trace us back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and she's kind of taken on that piece and. She's mm-hmm. doing bits and pieces. Um, Do you
0: with, have a year in uh, North
1: Carolina. Uh, I think it was 1840 mm-hmm. was was the first year that we were able to record something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the part of um where some of our history in my family gets a little, a little great is my great great grandmom was full blood Cherokee in Indian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the record keeping from the reservation side was not as astute, and then in North Carolina, uh, because of Jim Crow and segregation, some other kinds of things, um, a lot of names were not. They would just put "colored boy," right? Uh, right. A colored girl, and from uh, Wilson, that Wilson plantation. Mm-hmm. So, from that Wilson, North Carolina area, is where uh, we are able to uh, so race, reconstruct, reconstruct the whole map. that. Okay. And then into Mitchell County, because one of the things that I'm told, and, uh, and, and we're just having to do, <laughs> we yeah. had a lot of land <laughs> okay. in, in Mitchell County at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know what happened to that land. Here mm. um, again, shoddy record keeping, and because uh, there, there were no black lawyers, there were no black real estate owners, mm-hmm. uh, there were we kind of relied on white folk to do some things, exactly. and then, you know, through no fault of their own, my great-great-grandparents, they relied on the boss man to handle some business, right. and we realized that some of that was not Above board boy uh, was not in our best interest, and so we got cheated out of
0: it. Absolutely.
1: And so, but but it's it's been an interesting, uh, it's been very interesting. I did on my on my own. I was able to find the census from
0: 1940.
1: Wonderful. And and, and find uh, uh, my dad and and all of his uh, siblings listed on mm-hmm. the 1940 census. Mm-hmm. Um and no, let me correct that. That was the nineteen ten census. And uh it was uh it was interesting that my granddaddy, um Willie Edward Wilson, mm-hmm. um at the time um was um one of the few people that at, I don't know how he pulled it off, but he was looking. Oh, wow. You know, I'm um, going like, wow, okay, so granddad was out there hounding. Right, business. right, <laughs> right. Um, How did you find them?
0: What were the techniques that you used? Well, the tools I, that
1: you used? one of the things I went to, um, it was familytree.com. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to, Mitchell um, County Courthouse
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Camilla,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then to Public Records in Pelham. Okay.
0: And you went there in person? In
1: person, okay. Okay. yeah.
0: And yeah. you were able to, what were these huge from oh, Microfish. Microfish at
1: yeah, that time, yeah. okay. And then, as you booked, one of the things that's been very interesting is that, um, I don't know whether it was deliberate, but it seems that there was no real care taken in recording information. So some of it was very, uh, you can't really make out what it was. Right. You kind of have right. to guess at what it was. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like uh, anything related to Black folks was like second thought. Okay, we'll right. do it because we got to do it, but it ain't, right. I ain't, I'm not going to put no real effort in here to make it.
0: And many efforts to make it difficult <laughs> yeah, for people to yeah. claim their own yes. uh, properties yeah.
1: Yeah. or lands yeah. or marriages or whatever, you yeah. know, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. So, that, that, you know, that's why, and, and this may be moving, that's why I'm encouraging right now and one of the things I'm looking at a project to do here, I want to kind of do a, like an old west wanted poster thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, want, I want people to do, to go look in uh, those dresser drawers and oh, look at those Bibles absolutely. and I want to kind of put posters. I'm gonna to try to write a grant and give people a little stipend to go and look and bring to um, to, the to, to the institute. Uh, look at the, those, those old Bibles, looking, looking in, looking Greek Mama's old trunk and that old set settee and that mm-hmm. because see what folk don't understand them old sofa you and let up and you can mm-hmm. put stuff in the bottom yeah, of them sir. and yeah, some sir. of them don't realize that uh and a lot of times people don't throw stuff away because it did belong to big Mama, but they never looked to it to see what, exactly. was, in there. what was in there and so i want to give them a reason to see what it is you know because mm-hmm. we need to look past whether or not we was in the insurance policy oh, no. and, <laughs> <laughs> and look and see what other historic value. Big mama, uh, which, big which, Annie, auntie, auntie, mm-hmm. what what papa right. left in there because right. some of it is much more valuable Priceless. than anything. Priceless you can get in information. As as, yes. Priceless. Yeah.
0: And uh and, and I mentioned the funeral home because that's one of the places where care was taken. Yeah. Particularly um in in uh, Mitchell County when I spoke with him. Yes. Within a few minutes he gave me uh sixty five year old information. Yeah. That he had right there What's, and available and so though the you know, black funeral homes are treasure troves of information for us just like ancestors. well well well, well well
1: well mr thomas over in pulham again knowing that history uh he was a beneficiary uh of now being the only one uh previously had been stevens and Hollingshed, and perhaps what he has been able to do is get all of the records that stevens show home and Funeral Home had there. Mm-hmm. Because now as a single uh, proprietor of a funeral home, he is the single you source of all, of all those, all of those records. And so uh, that, that's a tremendous resource. That's a tremendous and, resource. And I think that would be the same case in Camilla with the Jester Funeral Home. Mm-hmm. And I think in many communities where you have only one black funeral home, they would probably be uh, the single source mm-hmm. uh, of being able to get a lot of historic information about the family, because if nothing else, um, many of those folks keep at least one of the obituaries that gives Absolutely. information about Absolutely. other family members in that
0: obituary. Yeah. So and, yeah. and part of the other information included um, information about who was the person who took care of that funeral. Yeah, and what was their relationship to the deceased? Yes, and all of that, which which revealed. Some information that we absolutely did not know no, about no, no. Uh, about that part of our family, and so it's um, it, it's a beautiful thing, and, and it's uh, it encourages me to see us using resources that are within our community, like whenever possible, you know, being able to use resources that we have and be in control of our own record keeping and history, and in the future, and where, and where we want to go next. So, you know, I call that our family museum. Yes. And so, how do you, are you using any of the skills that you've gained as a, as a result of being the, the executive director of the Auburn Civil Rights Institute? Are you able to use those skills in, in organizing your own family history?
1: I, I, I am, you know, we, well, one, one of the things that I do uh, annually, and because we'll, we, we don't do every two years, we, we do a family reunion, I always on the night of our family banquet, I spend about an hour in what I call family. You know, it's, it's like a storytelling, but it's a family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, because what, what I have found, and, and I don't know how you get around it, and maybe if someone knows how to get around it, here's what I do, what i found, many times when we come to the family reunion, we gather and we, we have fun and we know but for our younger children, we never really teach them what's the, what was happening, what that relationship is. They, I mean, you know, uh, that's your cousin, uh, Willie Frank. That's uh, but they don't know the the total uh, relationship. The and here's and here's here's why it becomes very critical for me and my family. I have a family full of women, mm-hmm. and each time one of those women get married and take on the, another, another name. And then they may have a daughter that gets married. And take another. The father they move away from that root family are Wilson and Mitchell. Right. So when my grandson, Xavier Wilson, meets uh, Natasha Parker, right. unless he knows those different branches of That's the fair. Wilson Mitchell root, that has no meaning for him whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, and and it, it, it this was born out. Uh, I had a cousin in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And his daughter brought this young man home. Because my cousin, however, was an old school dad,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he made inquiry
0: with so the young man. Oh,
1: who, who, who are you? Dada, dada. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, y'all may be going out, but it won't be a date. <laughs> <laughs> because he that's your was cousin. a cousin
0: that's your cousin, that's your
1: cousin. Right. and because 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 Jeff knew the family history
0: mm-hmm.
1: when he said what his last name okay. was and asked well who's your mom or who's your dad oh, no, so that's not a that's familiar like, name yeah, yeah. no no that's not no, right. that, that's not about to happen right. I mean I had something similar that happened to me not in the same way of a date but even in high school I had one of, uh, you know, teachers used to do what they call practice teaching or their uh, field teaching or whatever you call it. And so uh, this gentleman asked me, he said, uh, Wilson, your last name is Wilson. I said, yeah, he said, you know, my mom has a first cousin. I think he lives here in Mowry. And I understand he does uh, barbecuing. And I started laughing. I said, that's my dad. He said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding with mm-hmm. So that afternoon, uh, he went home with me. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, this, this gentleman was the son of my dad's first cousin, but I never knew him. Wow. The
0: son of your dad's first cousin.
1: Never knew him. Uh, same thing, the first black mayor of Pelham, Georgia,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Freddie Banks was a cousin of mine, uh, but the, the, uh, here again, many of our family members did not realize the bank's family was a part of our lineage.
0: Right, and you know, now that we, you know, you mentioned uh, looking into the bottom of the sofa for, you know, going past the, the insurance policy and so forth, and at the same time, the, the wealth, the family wealth that has been amassed should be protected. It should be kept, you know, we should keep an account of that and be able to pass it on in a conscious and considerate and unfightful uh, <laughs> way. <laughs> so we're not fighting over this, but we are, we are being stewards of, of the family wealth. and And knowing where each other are in the world those are the connections that we need in life. We need to know. Oh, that's my cousin. It opens doors. Who you know matters. It really. It really, really matters because.
1: <laughs> my daughter often tells me, you know, being, being Frank Wilson, Wilson thought ain't half bad. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it has opened many, many, many doors for um for her, and it. I'm that brings me back to your work, um, because here you uh, instituted. Programming, you you just done so much, including um, the annual Boyd Grant Awards Dinner, which is coming up very soon, and uh, you do the annual combined choirs program during Black History Month. So tell us how those a little bit more about that and how they came about.
1: Well, let's start with the choirs. You know, again being being a, being a South Georgia boy, uh, one thing I know that good food and good music has a way of bringing people together.
0: All right. Now. Uh
1: good music, good food <laughs> transcends race, ethnicity, whatever, whatever.
0: Yes, and try. And
1: and, and so, um, as I look at this divided community, I'm like, what is it that that people would would, would come out to see? And and and, folk, for the most part, support their children.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And, and for the most part.
0: hmm
1: And so. Um, I'm going like, okay. Let me see if I talk with the different choir directors in the public and the private schools, and I gave them this idea and the thought of how we could make this happen, and everybody was like, "Yes, this would be a great idea." So we we tried it the first year over at uh, at shallow church, and what made me knew I was onto something. Uh, the the about a about two weeks before the actual first performance, uh, as the kids were finishing up rehearsal at my church, one of the members was coming in for choir rehearsal, and she said to me, Ethan Wilson, what choir is that? Mm-hmm. And I laughed because I said, It's a combination of several choirs, but if you didn't hear but one choir, that's part of the goal. That's, mm-hmm. that's part of the goal. That's right. And so um, the night of the the night of the first presentation and you looked at that panoramic view of kids from Doherty, from, at that time, Westover, from Albany have from Mungo, from Sherwood, from uh, Deerfield. And all you saw were kids singing.
0: Mm-hmm. And all the
1: reason you knew they were from different schools because they had on different uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so my comment to the audience then was, When you are focused on a common goal, Mm -hmm. you don't get a chance to look at each other, you're looking at the common goal, because see the altos, when they stood next to an alto, it didn't matter whether they were from one or daughter. They were an alto. Let's get these voices
0: together. Let's get these
1: voices. The other part was that I said focus on the directors. The directors had their back to the audience. They were taking care of what was in front of them, and the noise in the back didn't matter. And I said that as adults in a greater community, if we can get rid of the noise in the background, mm-hmm. if we cannot hear and not get so carried away about the focus of, of the, in the background, but take care of the business in front of us,
0: mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a
1: greater community. That's- the second thing, the third thing was, I need to give people an opportunity to, to come on this side of Overthorpe and realize that at the end of the day, people are just people. That's
0: right. And this side of Overthorpe is the South Side, just, just so yeah, our, yeah, our, our yeah. listeners know. Yeah. We're talking about the South Sunshine. Side of town. And so I want to give
1: some folks the opportunity to come on the South Side of Albany and sit in an African-American church in a mixed audience and go back home and realize they were no blacker than they were when they came over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They were no they were I mean, they were just as safe as they had been in any other church. Mm-hmm. But what they came away with was a good evening of music by their children. Yes. Yes. In combination
0: with All with the, the support of other children.
1: Yes. Sir. And, uh, and and so Long story short, we did this in Shiloh six weeks ago, five weeks ago. We did it in the City Auditorium to almost down. a packed house with the presence of the Symphony Orchestra and two other groups, and so it has it has it, grown. It has grown It's grown because it's taking momentum. The teachers look forward to it, the students look forward to it. And what excites me about it is the kids don't get any extra credit. It's not mandatory. They do it for the the sake of singing Mm -hmm. and and, and the camaraderie show. And and like I said, when you see them them interacting, if you did not know, they were all from different Mm -hmm. schools. You would not know because they are just kids being
0: kids. You mentioned a lot of things in, in that course. So many different uh, powerful points that you made. And one of them is about um, people will come out and support their children. Yes. And so and, and the, the family culture in Albany is one of the things that I want to help celebrate. And we also want to evolve. Uh, our family cultures, individually and collectively. So tell me about some of the, some of the issues that you see um, in the community that are things to be celebrated and things that we, that you would like to see us evolve beyond within the yeah, Black the community.
1: Things that, the things that I think ought to be celebrated is what, what I see so many of our children doing so well academically. I have, I, I take issue, and had this, had this conversation with the superintendent just last night. I think all Benedict has, has uh, gets it. We need to celebrate our kids who are doing well academically. Mm-hmm. You know, we make a big deal out of kids, and I, I'm not knocking out athletes. Mm-hmm. I, I was an athlete. Um, but let's say to that kid who's doing well academically, you have value, too. Yes. And, and it says that I don't have to shoot a ball or run a ball or throw a ball, but I can sit in my classroom and, mm-hmm. and do well uh, academically, and I can be celebrated yes. doing that.
0: Yes,
1: You know, I, I, and I think that we need to do a much better job uh, of celebrating kids for what they do, where they do it Where at. they do it,
0: which, which brings us to the other program, one of the other <laughs> programs that you bring in, which is the art. Yeah. You know, the, the art uh, exhibition that happens uh, during Black History Month as well. well, well it's another one
1: the, arena. One of the things that I have found, that we have some gifted kids. But but more, and more importantly than being gifted, they're gifted with depth. Yes. I asked them, I asked uh, Miss Dina Anderson, let's expand that. So rather than just putting the art here, have the kids come in and talk about that inspiration of doing it. And I sat back and I listened to some of these kids and I'm going like, wow! To death, what some of these kids think.
0: Mm.
1: Oh my God, this one young lady did these two glass awards. I gotta tell you, one was a clear glass and one was a dirty glass. And her illustration and her motivation was the condition of the water in Flint, Michigan, oh,
0: mm.
1: and first of all, for a teenager to even be
0: concerned—yes—we're
1: doing the research enough to be able to put that concern on canvas. Yes. For this seventy-three-year-old old black man, it just blew me away, but it gave me it gave me motivation, and it it hardened me to know yes. Yeah, there's still kids that are still learning, that are still parenting out there. And I refuse to give up on these kids. Oh yeah, I and me too.
0: Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> they're and, not and, and, to be given and, and up on. They're, I guess I,
1: I guess, you know, crazy. a lot of times folks are like, what's the the way you get all this I guess I'm Peter Pan. I'll never go up. And I guess a lot of times I relate to kids in a way they're surprised, you know, for my age because I believe in them. Mm-hmm. I believe that when you set standards and expectations, they will either reach them or they'll drop to the depth of which you put those expectations. If you if you aim low for right. them, they'll give you low. If you aim high for them, they'll give you high expectations. And I, I think sometimes we shortchange our children
0: mm-hmm.
1: by telling them what they can't do.
0: Absolutely. And I
1: think part of I am comes from a, an environment in Moxley, Georgia, that did not limit me. That,
0: that was my next <laughs> question, that I was just about to ask you, I what had, was it that, you, that came had, out of that family I had,
1: house? I, I had teachers and parents, you know, my mom died when I was, when I was like 12. Mm. Um, my dad was not the most academically gifted man. Mm-hmm. But he led from a different way because he was a people spiritual and accept, and exceptionally loving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, he, but he was a strong black man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and but I learned something in the seventh grade that it's kind of I didn't realize it until I got older. But Willie Frank Rice, who was my history teacher, had us to learn this one little thing that said if you build castles in the sky your work need not be lost but that is where it should be i build a foundation under them wow i never forget i always you know in the seventh grade it had one kind of a meaning the older i got it took on different meanings mm-hmm. for me
0: mm-hmm. it's like Man. That castle
1: continued to be built. The foundations yes. kept growing yes. up over the yes. years. and so, um, and and so the teachers that we had, from from and with, with rundown building to hand-me-down books and torn-up books and ill-equipped labs, and they did not allow us to use that as excuse for nothing. Mr. Anderson, in that biography. That Biology, chemistry lab. He took the lemons that were there and made lemonade for exactly, us, exactly. And, and and made us thirsty for lemonade. Mm, mm. Okay.
0: And, and your fact You mentioned your your mother passed when yes. you were twelve years old. Yes. Was that one of the greatest challenges that you faced in your young life?
1: Very much so. And it 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 was it was it was a good and bad time place for me mm-hmm. because it was at that time when you, you're kind of becoming into your own yes
0: that, that, that was that, a, that, it's that, a very tender that, age that
1: critical time mm-hmm. uh i am blessed that i did have that village Yes, sir. I, I was very blessed to have that village mm-hmm.
0: That village is something that um, that's so important to us, and rebuilding
1: that. That village is what was you in the That, that village was there for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I also understood that there were oh, those naysayers. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, now that Frankie did that boy ain't going to to nothing. Mm. He ain't going to nothing. Big can can't do nothing with that boy. Mm-hmm. Got, I knew the chatter. Mm-hmm. but it became my stepping stones it did not become my barriers it, it, it became my stepping stones and so <laughs> it was very interesting uh, just uh, three weeks ago I was in, invited back to the to speak and my subject was there's no place like home
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and I went through a series of uh, things because although it was a black history program that talked about the black migration i wanted to show them that the black migration had taken place within the community we didn't have to go out of the community the black migration to oh, was, boy, out, you was, was, was within the community sure. so the, the, the black migration so f- for me for instance in my household before you sat down and ate that was a prayer to be said. Yes, sir. That was a blessing to be said. The black migration in the home now. Everybody grab a plate and they go to that different rooms and do what they want Woo. to do. Mm, mm, mm. So that, so that time around that table that I learned from my parents. I heard the conversations. I learned what was going on societal politically. I even learned some of the adult gossip. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> but but the calls that sitting required me to be there with them and sharing that family time together. Mm-hmm. A, they protected me they knew who I was. I knew where they were.
0: Yes,
1: sir. The other part of that black migration within the community was this. We were the originators of Neighborhood Watch. Why? Because those ladies that we called moses sat on that front porches, but you never heard of any kids being snatched in our community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, you never
1: heard of parents bearing their children, for the most part, in our community. Yes. And so that might that black migration, in many places, we have migrated away from most things that have are uh, time tested and proven true for us. our for our yes. community yes. because we are trying to assimilate and act like other folk. Because see, that was never. In, in my community and our most other community, you knew everybody within six blocks yes, of where you were. And whatever happened in your household was good bad, everybody celebrated it or they mourned it. Mm-hmm. Now we don't even go across the street and know where our neighbors are.
0: You know, I, we'll be doing a, uh, a survey of uh, of our community, just getting some sense of you know what people think that we need. And um, what what things that are, are there here for us to celebrate, and what things that we want to include. And one of the questions that are asked in that survey is, how many people do you know on your block? Mm. <laughs> mm. And I have to admit that I do not know everybody on my block. Uh, and you know, so that's going to motivate me to do the right thing. You know, yeah. and yeah. I and I do believe that that is the right thing yeah. to know the each other to know. That our community, so much so often nowadays, our communities are not our neighborhood. The community that we relate to is a church community that that might be ten miles away or yeah. twenty-five miles away, or the family in in New Jersey and New York and Chicago or whatever. And so, yes, that might that that is a that's a see,
1: fantastic see, Molly, dimension. What 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 happened? And while I thoroughly understand and appreciate.
0: Okay. The goals
1: of of of, 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 of integration mm-hmm. the loss that came with that sometimes concerns me because when I was in school for instance, my teacher probably went to my church one at least one of them or two of them three of them went to the same church or 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 they were in the Masonics with my dad, or in the Eastern Star with my mom, or went to the same beauty shop with with my mom, or they were in some other civic or social club together. And so, I was not just a student.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had a name and a face and a place. You
0: had a you had a network you had a web. Network. Yeah. A different kind of yeah, web.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and and. But because I did, didn't really know to appreciate it until I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. As I said to that crowd in Monterey the other week when I spoke, I can stand before you as a senior senior citizen because I was protected as a child. Yes, sir. Because Because I knew that If I cut the food, it was gonna beat me home, which was not a good thing. (laughs) And it was not. It was not a matter of my word against Mrs. or Mr. So and So's word. If Mr. So and So said it, it happened. Why? Because that's the way it was in the community.
0: And the integrity was dependable.
1: Dependable. You see, Uh, and and so. When, when, we, when we talk about this whole thing of sustaining sustaining families, the thing that, that, that bothers me most right now, uh, to go back to your earlier question about the Black family that bothers me most is that we are quick to label tried and tested things as old-fashioned.
0: Yes, sir, yes, sir. Now, I like the
1: idea of those who still, you know, go to church, teach <laughs> the kids to church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's one thing, because, I, it, because here's the question. If the kid says, well, you're sending me, but you're not going.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What kind of message is that? How can you leave where you don't go? Exactly. How can you teach what you don't know? Exactly. You know, now, I guess on the one hand, say, well, at least they're making an effort. Yeah. And I, I applaud those parents who do send their kids. Well, But by the same time, we have the same problem of folks who send their kids to school, but never show up for them. I know again, I got hoodwinked into being president of the PTO for two years. I said hoodwinked, I happened to go to represent my daughter who had to work, and I took my granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And when I know anything, I'm president of the PTO. (laughs) But it was, in a way... You know, God has a wonderful way of putting it where he needed to be. It opened my eyes about what some of the administrators and teachers have to deal with. We used to have to serve hot dogs or have a spaghetti dinner or have a, a gimmick to get some parents to come out to support their own children. That bothers me.
0: And, and, you know, that's an interesting <laughs> dichotomy between um, the fact that, you you in, in one sense, on one hand, you can depend on parents to come out and support their children. That's, that's the draw for, for different events and so forth. And on the other hand, uh, in some situations, parents have relinquished their uh, control and input to quote-unquote professionals. Well, this is what happens.
1: There's a difference in coming and sitting in a meeting and hearing some stuff, then sit in the audience and say, look at my child. Right. <laughs> look at my boy run that ball. Yes. Look at my boy shoot that ball. Look at my girl shoot that ball. Look at my girl running track.
0: Let me ask you this. What, if you had absolute power... Yes. ...to put into effect anything you wanted to, and people would do what you said, if you had that absolute power, what would be the... the One change that you would make in family culture in Albany, Georgia?
1: The age limit in which people could have children. Oh, wow. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. And
0: what would that age
1: limit be? The age of responsibility or whatever. I said that facetiously, but I just, it bothers me that in too many cases, we have children raising their parents. Mm. The children are raising their parents. Kids almost, in some cases, are having to force their parents to be parents.
0: Mm.
1: Because these kids are eager for to be in places, to be in in things that parents have no interest in them being in, or have no uh, desire. You'll be surprised how many kids want to come here and the parents come and say, I ain't never been here before.
0: There's quite
1: a few. They never been. I have parents who said, I didn't even know we had a civil rights institute in all of They passed this place every day never took the time to read those, those seven foot letters up there. That's okay.
0: Okay.
1: So when I said the age of responsibility, it would be when you are responsible enough to be able to engage your children for their better good. Oh, you know, I, I look—it's probably you know maybe I'm just a nosy old man, but it it, it bothers me when I see a sister and sometimes a brother shopping for food. In Dollar General. Oh my God! Okay, now I ain't not in Dollar General, cause so I shop in Dollar General. I'm in there, that's why I know they're in there. Right. <laughs> but my point being,
0: you're not shopping what, for food. What are you for? When groceries when, for the family. When,
1: when, when, when Roman noodles mm. and potato chips mm. and sodas mm. are the staple for the household, and then we wonder about. Juvenile diabetes, and why do we have all these obese children? Yes. Yeah. All you got to do is follow the parent home. You know why? Because yeah. in there, there's no milk. There's no vegetables. There's no green vegetables. There's nothing that's going to really sustain this child. All it's going to do is fill them up. And what do they do? They get filled up and go to sleep.
0: And and sit. And sit. And the main because thing, getting exercise.
1: That sedentary, get that sedentary lifestyle. The strongest thing on all my kids right now, they done. Okay. and so recess has been cut out of the schoolhouse. There's nothing, in, I mean, we used to rub it down the streets for no reason whatsoever. Right. we were getting that exercise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we were playing tag. We were playing uh, hide and seek. We were doing something that kept us active and moving. We were also developing interpersonal social skills. That's right. Why do our kids don't know how to talk? Because they don't have interpersonal social skills. Why can't they, why do we shoot and cut? Because we cannot negotiate differences.
0: So where do we go from here? How do we, um, what's one way for for us to address that? Several things,
1: several things. Those who have been given leadership roles in the community, where it's it's, it's teachers, preachers, Indian chiefs, have to stop talking about these kids and start talking with them. Mm We gotta provide activities, wholesome activities, and begin to see. It's one time you could have the most fabulous program in the world with millions of dollars, but if you haven't spoken with the people who the program is designed for to see what it is that won't all you have is a nice million dollar program that ain't getting nothing done. Right,
0: and paying people who don't need the service.
1: Yeah, so.
0: How can you plan programs
1: for children if you don't have children input? You can think what you think I want all day long, but you know you may think I want a suit, but when I pass shoes, what I really need. And
0: so, for 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 those young mothers who, who perhaps and fathers, young mothers and fathers who perhaps are not at the age of responsibility, what would you say to them about? What, kind, what advice would you give to them for, for raising children who are able to take on responsibility? Well, I think
1: two things happen. People have to be honest with themselves and be able to say, I don't know what I don't know, and reach out uh, for the help. And then we have to have a willing community to not look down on their collective noses at these folks and be able to give them the help, be willing to give them the help. Put your arms around these folk and lead them to where they need to be. Part of the reluctance of folk to reach out now is that they are always put down, talked down to, uh, talked ill of, and, and, and so people are reluctant. So they push back and do their own thing. And so their own thing sometimes is not the most wholesome thing to do, but it gets them back. We need to stop getting back and let's do it the right way as a community. You know, folk in authority. And I get sick of my stuff, because they can can find all the fault, but they're not willing to sit down to try. They want quick, short-term solutions. We didn't get here overnight, and we're not gonna do it overnight. Nobody wants to do the hard work. Nobody wants to do the heavy lifting. Everybody wants it now. They want it easy. They want it soft. Nobody wants to sit down and say, okay, let's put down a five year plan on how we're going to move this community from point A to point B. It's not going to be a quick fix, and it shouldn't be a quick fix. And some of, it, some of these plans need retweaking because every time, for everything that you, we were sitting here and do today, something happens tomorrow to make us revisit this thing.
0: Nobody wants
1: to sit down, and then everybody wants to get credit. That's the the part that's getting us in the way. Everybody wants, I did this. Do it because it's the right thing to do, not because you're going to get credit for it, not because you're going to get recognition for it, but but it's it's the right thing to do. If you're doing it for recognition, then that's the wrong motivation. The motivation should be, I'm going to make a difference. You know, on every obituary there's two dates, The day you were born, the day you died, and in that little thing is a little dash. And I always ask the question: What's in your dash? (laughs) What's in your dash between birth and between birth and death? What did you do? What did you do between birth and death? Did you just were you born to die, or did you do so? So you know, you talk about that five-year plan and the
0: credit. And so at home, at home, uh, around that table yeah. is, is where I see um, a lot of that dash, a lot of that dash takes place. Yeah. And so would you recommend for, um, for these, uh, for young and old, you know, heads of families and family members to create a five-year plan for their families? Yes, well? yes. I think,
1: you know, in five years, what, what should my family look like? What should my home look like? What should my finances look like? What should my what if I got a five-year-old kid or a ten-year-old kid? What are we doing for his or her education? Uh, what 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 does that savings account? What does that educational savings account look like? What what does that health insurance? What what do all these different things look like five years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think I think it's important. See not reaching a goal is not as bad as not having a goal for
0: which to reach. Mm. Absolutely. You know, you've given us so, so many... See, I mean, you just dropped so many beautiful uh, gems in the course of this conversation, and we're just about running out of time. I know we could go on. We could go on. (laughs) We could go on. on. Um, But I want to, you know, close by asking you, what is the legacy that, um, that you are seeing to leave for your family, for your children, your grandchildren? nieces, nephews? Well,
1: I, I think the one that, that's pretty much I think is already in place that my family's only alone.
0: Absolutely.
1: I, I think I think I, I don't I don't think there's no doubt about that. Um and, and I guess if I had um if it would be any one thing it was then he gave it down.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. I
1: mean, uh, I think that's it. You know, I think that you. Know, mm-hmm. I, can't get, I can't get much better than that, you know, that I gave it to hell, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and not with words, but by, by, by my actions, Absolutely. you know, you know by, by my actions.
0: Well, you certainly have demonstrated that you care mm-hmm. about uh, your family, your community, um, this institution, and, and on behalf of Albany, I want to say <laughs> thank you. For for the the really wonderful work that you've done uh, here at the Albany Civil Rights Institute, and uh, just before we go, just can you just uh, talk about the Boy Grant Dinner, which is coming up in just May time location? (laughs) Well,
1: I'm I'm excited about that this year. (laughs) It's May tenth at the Albany Civic Center at seven p.m. And the reason I'm excited is that as of today. I sold the 90th table, so Ooh. we will have 90, at least 90 tables, and I'm pushing for 100. Right. I still have a little over a month to go. And if folks are interested, you know the tables are $500 for 10, $50 for an individual seat. Call me two two nine four three two one six nine eight. All right. Thank you so very much. <laughs> thank right. you so and much. Thank you
0: again for for spending this time with us. It's We've been got my pleasure. So many gems. It's my pleasure. You have a great day in our audience blood and spirit. That's what it's about. Y'all have a great day out there.